This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? It's Rich. My Take Radio, episode 130, for Thursday, March 8th, 2012. The intro music you just heard was Christian Cage's TNA music. You can probably get that from the old TNA soundtracks that are on iTunes or Amazon. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. You can also call our feedback line with any questions, concerns, or even hate mail. 347-815-0687, 347-815-0MTR. All right, we got some housekeeping to get out of the way first before we get into this week's show. A couple of things. Our Facebook fan page, lots of engagement. If you haven't become a fan yet, facebook.com forward slash mytakeradio. I think we're at... 2390 almost 2400 fans my goal is by the end of the month to hit at least 2500 or 3000 fans little goals like that just to keep the juices flowing so all of you that have become fans recently welcome those of you that continue to support the show and comment on the page thanks for all your comments and feedback and liking all the bullshit that we post we really appreciate it our partners of course our content partners mma valor and our gaming partners, Unveil NYC, actually have been very busy this week. MMA Valor had their show last night talking about the Strike Force Rousey Tate fight as well as the UFC featherweight tournament, which I'll be discussing as well. And our friends at Unveil are making major strides trying to get some stuff taken care of for PAX East. If you're out there during the PAX East weekend, make sure to look up Steven and the crew from Unveil. Let them know. That you listen to MTR and you know who they are. Maybe they'll hook you up with some free stuff. Show exposure has changed a little bit as of recent. As of, well, as of earlier this evening, we were originally supposed to be simulcasting on Mixler. Right now, we actually are trying to simulcast with a new version of Mixler. I don't know what the hell they changed. Hopefully, it's working. If you are listening to it on the fan page, let me know in the chat. If not, you know. Whatever, it's all good. Worst case scenario, you can get it on iTunes. You can also get it from Stitcher later on today. And um, hopefully from Blog Talk Radio as well. If it doesn't do any stupid shit, hopefully that's not going to be the case. Our Get Glue check-ins, please continue to do them. Even though we're not able to get stickers currently, we still appreciate all the check-ins. It lets us know that you're supporting the show via another social medium. You know, I have no big issue with Get Glue. I mean, they came, they told me, they're like, look, we can't hook you up. Fuck it, it happens. Moving on. Our MTR t-shirts, as always, head over to the t-shirt link on mytakeradio.com. You can pick up some of the shirts there. We actually got some new designs in as of late last night, which hopefully once I get a couple of tweaks done, we'll be able to put them in the store. If you're doing any shopping, make sure to check out our Amazon shop. You can go there and get the latest movies. Gadgets, gear, Blu-rays, video games, the works. 
So go in there, help us out, shop right through the Amazon store. You deal with Amazon directly. You're just helping MTR in the process. I'm also pleased to announce that we're actually signed on with a couple of different advertisers that you're going to start seeing on MyTakeRadio.com in the coming weeks, either in the current version or in 4.0. We got the UFC store, WWE Shop Zone, Busted Tees. We recently um, are hopefully we're going to get approved with MMA Warehouse as well. So you're going to start seeing some advertisements there. You want to help us out. Click some of those banners. If you're going to buy any stuff, just go through there. Help us out that way. It really means a lot. It takes three seconds, especially if you're an MMA fan. You're going to buy some T-shirts anyway. Go through our MMA Warehouse link. You can check that out probably within the next two weeks. I'm really hesitant about launching too much stuff on the current version of MTR because I really would like to go to 4.0, but there's still some little particulars that we are ironing out. The other thing I wanted to announce this week is all exclu- all app-exclusive MTR programming is no longer just going to remain exclusive to the app for a couple of reasons. Number one, I feel that the people that are getting interviewed, they deserve to have their interviews, their interviews excuse me, heard by a bigger audience. So what I'm going to do is we're going to do an exclusive period ranging from two weeks to 30 days, depending on who it is, and that stuff will be on the app for that for that time period and then we will release it for general release on the website and in a couple of other places the reason i started doing this is because certain people that we've interviewed they feel that they have to embargo their audio only because it's on the app which you know it's a, it's a double-edged sword we're going to try and just keep app exclusive stuff like the minority film report and a couple of other things exclusive to the app but i think that the interviews are going to be going to a bigger audience only because those people deserve to be heard and some of them have some really kick-ass stories and we got a ton of awesome interviews in the works that we should hopefully be recording within the next couple of weeks as well. Here's what we're going to talk about tonight. We got UFC on FX, Strikeforce, Tate versus Rousey. We're going to talk about WWE Raw. We're going to talk about Street Fighter Cross Tekken and the bullshit that Capcom is pulling with it. A lot of people are upset. And, of course, we're going to talk your movie news. We got some sequel stuff. We got some sequel stuff that I know will make Slick very happy, as well as a couple of other listeners who are huge fans of this particular film. So be on the lookout for that in the movie segment. Uh, This week, uh, basically, if you heard last week's episode, you know that I addressed a couple of things last week with, um, you know, certain reps from certain sites uh billy from structure gamer being number one on that list uh here we are the eighth a week later haven't heard a peep spoke to the guy haven't heard anything about it so that pretty much shows where we stand with regards to that now with that in mind i think that we're just going to keep mtr's content on my take radio only because there's no there's no mo- there's no movement forward and I'm not going to beat this shit up so you know we're going to we're going to leave it with that that's pretty much where it is um if if he gets back I definitely would like to discuss it on the show only because there's certain things that need to be addressed on air also wanted to talk about this 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 Coney 2012 situation which a lot of people are talking about and a lot of people are putting the video out and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, once the hype dies down, certain things come out, certain facets 
come out regarding the organization putting out the video, etc., etc., etc. I'm not going to go on a whole big tirade about it because it makes no fucking sense. But I will be honest in saying that what's going on over there is fucked up. But let's be fucking real. If you don't think that rapes, killings, beheadings, kidnappings don't happen in Africa, you're a fucking jackass. Simple as that. If you if you don't think that any of that shit goes down now, you're a moron. That's number one. Number two, I understand that it's 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 a terrible crime against children and I and I agree a hundred percent, but you know, I mentioned on Facebook recently um, that we got a lot of kids here at home in the US, children with no families, children that are in foster care children that are born HIV positive with a life expectancy sometimes of five years, sometimes less. And I can tell you about this from experience. My mom was a career foster parent. I've seen numerous children born with that disease that never get to see their fifth birthday. These are kids living on borrowed time, but nobody talks about that shit. Nobody talks about kids that are homeless or kids that are aged out of the system and end up being homeless on the street or don't have any place to go. None of that shit gets talked about because it's very easy to to champion the causes of the world, but not champion the causes here. And again, the shit that's going on in Africa is fucked up. But this is shit that's been going on for a long fucking time. We only put the spotlight on it now because Kim Kardashian retweeted a fucking video. Or because Justin Bieber put a Coney 2012 hashtag. If you hadn't known about this before... All of a sudden, now you want to be a fucking advocate? Be an advocate for the shit that's going on here. Simple as that. That's all I got to say. If you want to retweet the video and you want to raise awareness, that's great. But you know what? That, that little kid with flies in his eyes sitting in a fucking alley munching on stale bread isn't going to get any further in life with your fucking tweets. Donate some money. Do some charity work. Do something that's tangible and legit and that is going someplace. Retweeting a video, yes, it's great. It raises awareness. But where does that, where, does, where the fuck does that awareness go when next week people will be complaining about something else? It, it's, it's really that simple. And I'm not, I'm not saying it again to take away from those that are actively supporting or retweeting the videos or going on Facebook. Because what you do with your social networks... You do on your own fucking time. I don't really care. But if you think that you're making a difference with just a video, then you need to get your priorities straight. Simple as that. Let's take care of our shit here first. Do something here if you want to feel good about yourself. Then let's take it beyond here. Let's take it beyond our borders. Because it, it, I, I just don't get it. I don't. And, and it's fucked up, you know, I mean, and, and you see people on Facebook and they're putting, you know, oh, before you post a Coney video, look at this map, which, you know, everybody wants to be, um, they want everybody wants to be controversial. If somebody wants to post it to raise awareness or wants to talk about it, who gives a fuck that they don't know where Uganda is? Kids are kids. They're getting killed. They're getting kidnapped. Kids are being made to kill their parents. It's fucked up. And if people want to try and do something to make themselves feel better, fuck it. Let them. So what if they don't know where Uganda is? I guarantee you the motherfuckers that, are, that post some of that shit don't know where Uganda is. 
Half of them don't even know all the monuments in their fucking state. But you don't see anybody else passing judgment. That's all I got to say, man. I mean, like I said, if, if, if you don't like it, turn the fucking dial. But facts are facts. You want to support, do something legitimate about it. Stop with the hashtags and the tweets and the bullshit. Donate some money to the Red Cross. Go to a, go to a battered women's shelter. Volunteer a weekend. Find a cause that's going on on Facebook with one of your friends. Donate to that. And I can just as easily cite when we did the charity drive, all those same people that are retweeting that Coney 2012 stuff, where the fuck were they when we needed them? But you know what? I can really, I can really sit there and fucking... I can sit there and beat that shit up too, but facts are facts. The same people that are going out and retweeting and trying to be socially active are the same motherfuckers that couldn't part with money for, for charity or, you know, buy, the, buy a homeless man a hot dog. So give me a fucking break. All right. Let's not beat this shit up any further because there's a ton of other stuff to discuss. We got lots of MMA news. And frankly, I doubt you people want to hear me rant about fucking Coney 2012. So let's hop to it. Things are going to sound a little different today because I'm working on three different rigs. Um, I sold my iPad. That, that's a story that I'll share with you guys in the in the gaming segment. Got a new iPad, but I'm also using a really cool software called Pod Producer, which is helping me give you guys some other sound effects. So if shit is a little off, please make sure to let me know because it's a little bit of trial and error while I experiment. But I figured I'd let you guys know what the deal is. Anyway. Going into it first, we're going to talk about UFC on FX because there were a lot of great fights last weekend. And the UFC on FX event was actually surprisingly good. A lot of people were downplaying the significance of this event. But it should have been watched with much interest only because we had the flyweight tournament going on to crown the new UFC flyweight champion. Which, you know, you would think that people would be really into a new division debuting. But... Too many people were busy complaining about whether the card was going to suck or not. I just want to pluck a couple of fights out of there. Uh, the, the flyweight tournament semifinal bout with Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and Ian McCall was a fantastic fight from start to finish. Turns out that they gave the victory to Demetrius Johnson via majority decision, but there were some shenanigans with that, which I will talk about later in the MMA segment. But... Uh, a fantastic match from start to finish. Uh, the other semifinal fight was Joe Benavides taking on uh, Yasuhiro um, Urushitani, and that, like I said, flyweights, 125. Those guys were back and forth early on, but Benavides wasn't playing. He came out strong in the second round, secured himself a nice straight right that dropped Urushitani to the ground, at which point he jumped in, a little ground and pound, boom, KO punches. Round two, Joe Benavides advances. On the welterweight side of things, Thiago Alves was taking on Martin Campman. Uh, I'm a big Thiago Alves fan. He's come full circle from being overweight in previous fights, and he's been working with Mike Dolce and the Dolce Diet, coming in lean, always ready to fight. Super exciting to watch, and it very aggressive first round from both guys. I think it. it 
some people were saying that Campman should have got that first round due to takedowns. And also, he stunned Alves at one point. But Alves had great striking coming in. Very aggressive. Same thing going into round two, at least from my perspective. The only thing when you go into round three is that Campman really seemed to have started to find his range, doing some combinations, working in real tight, trying to secure... Uh, a takedown to get a submission in, which he ended up doing um, at one point when Alves went for the trip takedown. Campman defended really well, and when they separated, um, you know, Alves executed an inside leg kick to which Campman answered with a high kick, little back and forth. When Alves shot in for the takedown, it ended up with Campman on top, and he secured a guillotine choke. Alves taps, beautiful comeback from Martin Campman. With the victory with Guillotine Choke. Just a, an excellent night of fights. I, w- I was very impressed with all the fighters on the card. And um, let's go right into Strike Force because Strike Force, another historic event for a lot of reasons, of course. Bantamweight Championship. Uh, Misha Tate taking on Rowdy, Ronda Rousey. The preliminary card on Showtime Extreme had some really great fights. Ryan Couture was taking on Connor Hewen. Carlos Fedor was taking on Pat Healy. Roger Bowling was taking on Brandon Salling, and Alexis Davis was taking on was taking on Sarah Kaufman with the winner to challenge the winner of Tate versus Rousey. Just a, a, a fantastic preliminary card. Alexis Davis, Sarah Kaufman beat the fuck out of each other. It was ridiculous, and Slick can attest to how Sarah Kaufman looked because he saw her later on in the broadcast, and they they beat the piss out of each other. But before I talk about that, I want to get more so into the main card because um, great, great fights from start to finish. Bristol Marunde coming in to take on Ronaldo Jacare Souza, short notice. Jacare was in phenomenal shape. His striking was on point. Ended up securing a submission via arm triangle in the third round. It was just a clinic put on by by Jacare. You had some great striking on his part. He had some some great takedowns to take down Marunde as well. I got to give him credit for coming in on such short notice to take that fight. But Jacare, great submission via arm triangle. On the middleweight side of things, Lamumba Sayers was taking on Scott Smith. Um, beautiful slam at one point from Lamumba Sayers. Pretty much almost like a uh, for like a Bob Holly Alabama slam. It was ridiculous the way it went down. Ended up catching Scott Smith with a guillotine to choke him out in round one. This is, I believe, the fourth loss for Smith at this point. If they cut him, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, Scott Smith is really exciting to watch, but the level of competition in Strike Force and even in the UFC is increasing greatly. And I don't know, I think Scott Smith has not evolved enough to catch up at this point. On the welterweight side of things, Paul Daly scrapping with Kazuo Misaki. I everybody expected Paul Daly to come in and steamroll Kazuo Misaki. That was not the case. Misaki came in there to fucking bang, and he did, looking really good in the first round, really crisp. Second round went back and forth, but Misaki again engaging, moving forward. Um, third round, Daly tried to come, mount a comeback. Misaki wasn't having it, just great counter-punching, great strikes on his part. It was just a beautiful fight from start to finish. I'm very impressed with Misaki. Anybody who had money on that fight and had money on Misaki definitely got paid. He looked excellent. Props to him. 
the lightweights the lightweights met with KJ Nunes taking on Josh Thompson. Uh, the winner was rumored to be the next challenger for Gilbert Melendez. I gotta tell you, I really don't like KJ Nunes. I don't know what the fuck I don't like about him. I don't know if it's a shitty haircut or the way he carries himself. It's 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 garbage, garbage. But I have to I have to give credit to Josh Thompson. He he fought a smart fight. He secured himself the victory via unanimous decision, and even he felt that that fight was complete bullshit. So, props to Josh Thompson for keeping it real, and I'm a fan of the punk, so hopefully he comes back and he scraps the way he used to, super exciting, just uh, drag-out brawls that he's known for doing. I'm really looking forward to a rematch with him and Menendez. I think it's going to be a great fight either way, and you really got to start padding that strike force lightweight division. There's a lot of talented guys there. Moving into the main event, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey. First off, these two women hated each other. Hated each other. And at the end of the fight, they still hated each other. We had some confrontations at the weigh-ins. We had a ton of shit talking leading up to the fight. To the point where Ronda Rousey said that she could whoop Misha Tate's ass and whoop her man's ass, which is uh, UFC fighter Brian Caraway. So, a lot of bad blood coming in. Misha Tate, though, as soon as that bell rang, they exchanged no touching of gloves, and it was just uh, a Donnybrook, uh, to steal a term from JR. But it, it was really good. Misha Tate definitely tried to be the aggressor, but Ronda Rousey, beautiful judo takedown. It was, it was just perfect in execution from start to finish. She secures herself, her, her bread and butter, of course, her arm bar, which... You know, Misha Tate said she wasn't going to get caught in, but she ended up eating the armbar submission to the point where myself, my wife Andrea, and Slick, all of us thought that Misha Tate's arm was broken because of the way that the that the arm bent. Nobody's arm should fucking bend that way. But turns out it's a, uh, I believe it's a dislocated elbow, and she's going to be on the fence for quite some time. Honestly, and not even to... to sound like I'm a fan of gruesome shit, but let's be real, you, I honestly would rather break my arm than dislocate my elbow, and I'll tell you why, you're probably saying to yourself, what the fuck is wrong with you wanting to break your arm, the facts are, the facts are as follows, when you break your arm, if it's a clean break, the bone heals up, and you're back to square one, when you hurt ligaments and injured ligaments, and dislocate joints, you're not just dislocating the joint itself, but you're injuring all the surrounding tissue around that joint. And with that said, when you dislocate, put it like this, like if you dislocate your shoulder and they pop it back in, yeah, sure, you'll be you'll be on the mend, but all those little tendons and fibers, those take longer to heal. And in her case, you know, it, since she's a striker, as well as a wrestler, she needs that arm for for support and also to be able to, to strike effectively. And ligament damage takes substantially long to heal. I'm, I'm vouching for it from experience. So uh, honestly, I think she's going to be on the shelf for a while. And even if she comes back, she may want to come back at 70%, but it'll be a real long time before she's at 100%. That's fact. Overall, an exciting, exciting weekend of fights. I was very impressed with Strike Force, which leads me into the MMA news for this week. Um, 
First off, like I said, there were some shenanigans in the Ian McCall-Demetrius Johnson fight. Dana White said that that fight was a draw and should have gone into a sudden death, into well, into a sudden victory round. Um, it seems that there was an issue with the scores that did not go according to plan. One fight judged the 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 fight. Well, one judge judged the the round 29-29 for fighters, giving a 10-10 for the first round. There were scoring errors across the board, which resulted, of course, in the fight being declared a draw after the fight was over. Now, what they're going to end up doing is they're going to probably do a rematch, and then the winner will face Joe Benavides for the flyweight belt. The The judging, like I've always said, judging is, is something that is, is always sketchy when it comes to MMA. There are some guys that don't view the fights as... Um, they're not fans of the ground game, so they don't score that accordingly versus octagon control versus engagement. D- MMA judging needs a lot of work, and I've always bitched about it, and countless fighters have bitched about it. Simple as that. But um, we have ourselves a draw, and we will see these two guys meet very soon. Let's talk about the bonuses that were handed out. Knockout of the night went to Joe Benavides. Submission of the night went to Martin Campman. Fight of the night went to Demetrius Johnson and Ian McCall. In some other Strike Force news that were announced on Saturday night, the finale for the Heavyweight Grand Prix will be decided May 19th. Josh Barnett will be meeting fellow finalist Daniel Cormier at the probably the HP Pavilion in San Jose. Not 100% confirmed yet, but... I'm happy to hear that Josh Barnett actually got a conditional license, so if it does go down in California, he should be good to go to fight. Dana White also was very vocal about staying hands-off from Strike Force. He actually suggested a couple of changes before the Tate-Rousey card was scheduled to begin. Turns out that Showtime nixed all those fucking ideas, so pretty much... He told them that he can go fuck himself and that Showtime can take care of Strike Force and he'll worry about the UFC, which is unfortunate, obviously, because we d- I, I honestly wanted some Dana White involvement only because there's certain aspects of the Strike Force card, not in not the card itself, but just the presentation that could have been tweaked up and made to look more like the UFC product. Unfortunately, that was not the case. Strike Force wants to. Uh, pretty much keep it to themselves, and Dana White gladly obliged them. Now, shortly after the Misha Tate-Ronda Rousey fight, of course, some shit on Twitter was said. Brian Caraway pretty much threatened uh, some... Uh, he pretty much threatened Ronda Rousey, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of people were basically complaining about the fact that Brian Caraway, for all intents and purposes, threatened to hit a woman... You can take that for for what you will, but we all know that there was a lot of buildup to this fight. There was genuine bad blood before, during, and after this fight, so shit like this doesn't surprise me. I mean, right now, when asked about dislocating Misha Tate's elbow, Ronda Rousey said, she's a tough chick, that hurts. I've had my elbow dislocated before, and that's no fun. But the rule in judo is that even if it's dislocated and they don't tap, you've got to keep going. I don't think the referee should be criticized for not stopping it because those are the rules I'm used to. Facts are facts. Misha Tate wanted to be a hard ass and she wanted to prove that she could hang. She didn't tap. Your elbow gets dislocated or your arm gets broken. Simple as that. 
Can't knock it. The, the Ohio Athletic Commission released some salaries from the Strike Force event. I just wanted to go through some of the some of the numbers with you guys. Uh, Jacare made $92,000. That included a $22,000 win bonus. Uh, Bristol Marunde made $10,000. Misha Tate made $19,000. Ronda Rousey made $17,000. Josh Thompson made $80,000. No win bonus. KJ Nunes made $38,000. Kasuo Misaki made $50,000. Lamumba Sayers made $10,000. That included a $5,000 win bonus to Scott Smith's $65,000. Now, a lot of people were saying that they were shocked that certain guys made more than others, and they were bitching that the women didn't make uh, substantially more, etc., etc. But what people fail to realize is that these figures and these numbers are agreed to when these fighters sign these contracts. This isn't something where they're magically getting paid this number. These are n- figures that were agreed upon beforehand. It's not like the fight ended and they said, ah, that fight was worth $19,000, give it to them. This is stuff that's decided beforehand. There's pay-per-view revenue for some of those guys depending on how their contracts are structured some people may have merchandise deals sponsor deals etc 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 so before people jump on the bandwagon complaining about who the fuck got paid what do your homework first simple as that we got a ton of heavyweight fights coming up with the ufc's may 26 card with of course alistair overeem taking on Junior Dos Santos, that's for UFC 146, May 26th in Vegas. You also got a fight between Roy Nelson and Antonio Bigfoot Silva on that card. And lastly, they've recently announced that Cain Velasquez will be meeting Frank Mir. So they're rumoring that to be the co-main event for that card, with the winner getting a rematch. We'll see how that goes. Other fights announced for that card, Edson Barboza versus Evan Dunham. Dan Hardy's taking on Dwayne Ben Ludwig. Diego Brandao and Darren Elkins. Jason Mayhem Miller returns to the octagon to take on CB Dalloway. Shane Del Rosario's taking on Gabriel Gonzaga. Kyle Kingsbury's meeting Glover Teixeira. Paul Sass is meeting Jacob Christmas Volkman. So, ladies and gents, there you go. 146 is going to be fantastic. And again, May 26 in Vegas. Last but not least... Dana White confirmed via Twitter earlier this week that UFC lightweight champion Ben Henderson will be meeting Frankie Edgar for Frankie Edgar's rematch. Originally, Dana White was pushing for Edgar to move down to 145 and challenge Jose Aldo. Unfortunately, um, Frankie Edgar was not having it, and he actually used the clause that he's fought rematches or been in rematches before, and he's entitled to his rematch. Simple as that. So while I, I, you know, I applaud Ben Henderson for taking the fight, Frankie Edgar should have let Pettis fight, gone to 145, challenged Aldo, probably gotten a bigger payday, maybe have beaten Aldo, and that would have been that. Or he could have fought Aldo, won the belt, gone up in weight, and be, the, be a champion to hold two belts in two divisions. That's the kind of shit you got to do. Unfortunately, He didn't want that, so Anthony Pettis has to wait if he is scheduled for the rematch. Originally, they were saying that the winner of Jim Miller and Nate Diaz was going to get a title shot. Who knows? Maybe they'll make the winner of Miller-Diaz fight. Um, 
Anthony Pettis with the winner facing, obviously, the Bendo Edgar winner. But we'll see how it pans out. That's going to wrap up MMA. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're going to talk some wrestling right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter. Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! All right, let's talk about Monday Night Raw first. There was a couple of eventful moments from this week's Raw, but I will say that it was moderately entertaining. Some of you are going to say, oh, it was one of the best Raws. No, the fuck it wasn't. It wasn't. There was way too much fucking talking, not enough wrestling. And of course, first off, HB Jesus comes out with his lazy eye and his fucking cowboy hat to call out Triple H, Blah, blah, blase, blah. I'm better than you. You think you're better than me. You can't get the job done. Ugh, fucking bullshit. And the worst part is, you look at Shawn Michaels, it's like, dude, you are not aging well. You're not. Like, you have to pull that cowboy hat so fucking low that you would think that you were one of the Mexican mice from the Speedy Gonzalez cartoons with them big-ass hats. Seriously. So, basically... The 20-minute opening promo was to set up Shawn Michaels being the special guest referee for the main event at WrestleMania, which, well, for the Hell in the Cell match, I should say. Everybody knew that was going to happen. Shawn Michaels being on fucking TV every week, it wasn't just to sell the angle. You knew that's where it was going. Don't, don't fucking act shocked. Like, the funniest thing when it got announced was people all over Twitter like, Oh my God, it's finally going down, yo, blah, blah. It's like, stop. We all knew that that's the shit that was going to go down. If you're just figuring that out, you are a fucking idiot. You're an idiot. Unfortunately, that's the way shit goes. Some people still haven't realized that wrestling is fucking fake. Now, when we finally get to a match, I think it was about 925, 930 at that point. It was Santino and... um. Jack Swagger, of course, this is part of the whole general manager beef situation. Shenanigans, of course. John Laryngitis, fucking stupid David Brotunga, Vicky Guerrero, everybody got involved. But the beauty of it all was that Santino is your new United States champion. If you expected to see a Matt Classic or a four-star match, it's the wrong match to be watching. Simple as that. The Rock comes out, he starts giving you his, his rock history lesson... And, you know, it was it was all right. It was cool. But I don't know. I think I think at this point it felt a little dated. Some people were bitching about it being vintage rock. But 
personally, I, I don't know. I think it was, it was amicable at best. But you know what? I think that we are we're at a we're at a stage with The Rock where he kind of gets a pass for some of this shit because it's The Rock. I mean, as terrible as it is to say, a lot of people are bitching that The Rock's material is dated, but the fact is that The Rock is selling this fucking card. That match is getting just as much fa- just as much fanfare as the Hell in the Cell match, if not more. But you know what? I actually pulled the audio from The Rock's little fucking shenanigans, and you can judge for yourself. I'm going to play some of it, just because it was kind of funny. But you be the judge. Check this shit out. John Cena, tonight you get much-needed history lessons. History lessons from The Rock. Lesson number one. In 1773, the great people of Boston had had enough. They had enough of the British because like you, John Cena, in the WWE, the British were here in their faces every single week, every single month, year after year after year. They had enough. The people started a revolution. The American revolution well tonight we start a new revolution the rock revolution in 1773 the people took england's tea and they threw it in the boston harbor calling it the boston tea party well tonight we're gonna have a party of our own the rock the people's champ the people team bring it we're gonna have a party of our own and it starts now let's get this party started because what we're gonna do we're gonna take all of john cena's trash all of his hot garbage and we're gonna throw it where it belongs and here's just a few of the items here it is john cena t-shirt there goes that john cena alarm clock can you imagine jesus waking up to this face every morning ding 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 yeah time to get your ass whooped what else we got? We got we got the John Cena midget shorts. Didn't even know they made these. What an insult to midgets. And now we got we got the John Cena garden gnome. What fourth dimension of hell did this come from? That there's a, there's a man right now in his 30s or 40s who actually has this in his garden and he's a virgin. What else we got right here? Uh-oh, 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 we have the John Cena, this is a John Cena wristbands, yeah, making him look like a transvestite Wonder Woman fighting crime, pew, 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 this is my favorite, it's my favorite, they actually make this, this is, this is John Cena cologne, they actually make this crap, John there you go. John Cena cologne, a garden gnome, bracelets, wristbands, calling him a transvestite, typical rock shit. But you know what the worst part is? All that merchandise that they sell for Cena, they sell for The Rock too. So make of that what you will. He, Of course, The Rock went on throughout the night clowning John Cena further, and it, it felt recycled. It felt 
it just, I don't know. Like I said, fucking poops for masses. That's, that's what it's gotten to. It's everything is a, is a Twitter hashtag. Everything is a fucking marketing ploy. It's not a, a solid promo. It's just Twitter bullshit is what I think it is. But it gets better when you get into the fact that the ending promo for the end of the night, which I'll discuss in a few minutes, was exactly that. It was your main event promo. No fucking confrontations, no bullshit, just blah, 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 I hate you, you're a bitch, fuck you, poops for masses, trending. Moving on through the rest of this debacle that was raw. Alicia Fox versus Eve. Let's not kid ourselves, this is the point where I went to the toilet and took a shit. Moving on. CM Punk and Sheamus took on Daniel Bryan and Chris Jericho once again, continuing to give us great wrestling from Punk and Bryan with a little bit of Jericho in there for good measure. Sheamus, of course, playing the the stronger uh, face in the whole group, coming in using pretty much an ass-whooping aplenty for Daniel Bryan. But it was very competitive, great match. All four guys definitely deserve to be where they are in the company because they made that match look great mind you they were following that debacle that was alicia fox and eve so even more props to those guys then we get a match with the miz and the big show which cody rhodes fucking comes out he clowns the big show for not accomplishing shit at wrestlemania i have to agree the big show does shit at wrestlemania the same way he does shit at pay-per-views and you want to know why that is because the big show at this point has been marketed he's he's been marketed as such a dominating force and he's and he really hasn't even been made to look that in so long that nobody gives a shit about him mark henry is has proven himself to be a more dominating athlete than the big show has with the push he got it's ridiculous it is it is embarrassing to me that the Big Show, while he is a, a great athlete and he's one of the bigger guys on the roster that that continues that continuously wrestles week in and week out, he's just I, if the Big Show left tomorrow and said I'm retiring, I'll be a hundred percent honest, I wouldn't give a shit. If he's like, oh, you know, I'm gonna hang it up, peace, get the fuck out of here. Next, we had a match, a squ- basically a squash match with R-Truth. And, you know, of course, he had little Jimmy with him against Kane. It went exactly the way you would think it would go with Kane securing the victory in a squash match. Orton comes out, delivers an RKO to Kane, answers Kane's question from last week with it's good to be back. So let me get this straight. You're building a match for WrestleMania between Randy Orton and Kane based off of introductions hi how are you kicking the dick oh i get up i punch you in the dick i'm fine how are you oh i hit you with a trash can how's your wife oh i hit you with a chair how are your kids that's the that's what you're building the storyline with bullshit fuck out of here with that and of course the main event promo of the evening which actually had the rock very he just looked more emotional than usual I mean, John Cena clowned him about the writing on his on his wrist for his promos, which, of course, people are saying it was scripted. Some people were saying it wasn't scripted. In wrestling, I don't know what the fuck to believe at this point because that's the way it's being written. You either possibly believe it or you don't. The fact remains that we closed out with a main event promo. I'm not going to 
fucking go through the bullshit of telling you of playing the entire promo because it was 13 minutes of bullshit. But I want to just freaking play how The Rock closed it out because it was it was remarkably very very straight to the point. Which with the way this feud has been going, I didn't really see it ending so abruptly. But The Rock ended it abruptly, dropped the mic, and bounced. Check it out. You understand something about me, John. Understand this. You strip away WrestleMania. You strip away the glitz, the glamour, the lights. You strip away Hollywood, the movies, the fame. You strip away the catchphrases. You strip away trending worldwide. You strip it all away. Look at me. You strip it all if, away. If, if at do, the Rock's core. What do you at got? the Rock's core. Core. We strip it away. What the do you got? Rock is six foot four, two hundred and sixty pounds. A man that will rip your throat out. At your core, you will always be a little boy who will go down in history. Always as the Rock's bitch. Yeah, where's your uh, PG product now, WWE? Where's your, oh, we're going to build John Cena for the kids, even though he makes fun of The Rock, you know, makes fun of The Rock and his penis, talks about fucking calling him a bitch, blah, blah, blah. Come on. There, This shit hasn't been PG for the last fucking month and a half. So anybody that gets their panties in a fucking bunch about people saying bitch and asses clearly doesn't watch enough television, which, mind you, I saw some people saying that that John Cena was a quote-unquote poor representative for the kids for handling his business with The Rock in such an aggressive fashion. This is shit I read on Twitter from fucking douchebags that don't understand the semantics of pro wrestling. This shit is for the kids, but it is a fucking soap opera. It's not like The Rock came out, punched John Cena in the face, and teabagged him with his balls. That's not what fucking happened. He called him a bitch, and he left. Give me a break. People are way too fucking sensitive. Anyway, that was Raw. Let's get into the rest of the wrestling news. First off, all of you know for a fact that the WWE Network was supposed to launch April 1st with WrestleMania. That shit is not happening. So give it up. If, you, if you're on, your, on pins and needles hoping for it, not happening. The New York Post recently put out a story saying that there's a lot of problems that the WWE is dealing with to get the network up and running. With some cable executives supposedly mentioning what's going on with the network and their feelings that it may not be a smart move for the WWE to launch it. The article cited a source saying that WWE still hasn't gotten a single deal with a cable or satellite TV provider to carry the channel. In addition to that, they're having issues getting high-ranking executives to manage the network. Lastly, they're still trying to figure out content issues, but last but not least, they're still trying to hire at minimum 200 employees to run the network. So don't expect the WWE Network to launch for WrestleMania. More than likely, probably before the year is out. But one thing we do know that may be coming to the WWE Network are cruiserweights. 
It seems that Brian Kendrick, who was recently released by TNA, has gone on record as saying that he'd entertain going back to the WWE, but that, you know, he stopped smoking marijuana and he really would like to see himself back there. And allegedly, they're going to do a new Cruiserweight show on the WWE Network, which Brian Kendrick would be a shoe-in for, so would Evan Bourne and a couple of other guys. So we shall see how that goes. As of right now, the rumored launch date for the network is probably going to be during sweeps period, which would probably be around the last week of November, maybe second to last week of November. In some other news, the... The 10K report for the WWE show and their financials was recently released, and they actually detailed the renewal of Triple H's contract. His new contract is effective January 1st, 2012 through March 30th, 2016. He will be paid a minimum of a million dollars each year while under contract. He is limited to performing 180 days a year unless both sides agree on more dates. In addition, he has a non-compete clause with other wrestling companies and he may not appear for any martial arts company while under contract. I sincerely doubt that Triple H is putting on a pair of four-ounce gloves and is going to punch people in the face. I don't think that's going to happen. As I was mentioning earlier, you know that Mark Henry had a really great year hampered by injuries, but he's been performing consistently. Well, a lot of rumors are circulating that Mark Henry may be wrapping up his tenure with the WWE. If you guys remember, back in December, he pulled his groin prior to the TLC pay-per-view. And a lot of people wanted Mark Henry to take some time off so he can heal up and be at 110%. Turns out Vince McMahon did not want that to happen and instead had him drop the title and continue working his scheduled dates which has led to a lot of frustration, allegedly, on Mark Henry's part. As you can see, the last few weeks, he's been losing a lot of matches, and they're probably, again, the the rumor mills are churning it out that they're probably just setting up for him to leave the company, which, at this point, Mark Henry, I think, had a 10-year contract, if I'm correct. So, the the guy the guy's given his, his body to this business, and if he if he can't even be given the courtesy of resting an injury for whatever reason, then maybe it's time for him to take his ball and go home. Simple as that. Next up, in uh, our buddy Andrew, who is in the chat, he's going to be excited to hear that his favorite wrestler, Wade Barrett, with the dislocated elbow, his injury is actually worse than originally reported. So he is not scheduled to return to the ring within uh, until at least three to four months. So he will not be at WrestleMania. A lot of people were saying that the plan was for Barrett to be involved in the Money in the Bank match and that he would win the briefcase for that match. But sadly, that is not the case. Wade Barrett on the shelf three to four months. See you later. Cashing in on some WCW swag, WWE is putting out a new Blu-ray and DVD titled The Best of WCW's Clash of the Champions. Couple of great matches on there: Nature Boy Ric Flair and Sting from uh, Clash of the Champions from 1988. You also got a, the uh, Ric Flair Terry Funk match, uh, Mil Mascaras and Cactus Jack Manson, which of course McFoley, uh, Ric Flair Lex Luger, Ravishing Rick Rude and Sting. I remember that. That was from 1991. 
Brian Pillman versus Stunning Steve Austin. That was from Clash of the Champions 25 in 1993. Sting and the Nature Boy Ric Flair took on Ravishing Rick Rude and Vader in 1994. I remember that. That was an awesome match. You also had Medusa taking on Bull Nakano. You had the match for the Battle Bowl ring, which was with DDP and Eddie Guerrero. I remember that, too, from 1996 and a ton of other matches as well, including Ultimo Dragon and Dean Malenko. The triple threat tag team match with Harlem Heat, the Steiners, and Sting and Lex Luger. And, of course, DDP, Lex Luger taking on Scott Hall and Randy Savage. That was at Clash of the Champions 35 in 1997. The Blu-ray, though, gets a couple of exclusive matches as well, including Ric Flair and Barry Windham taking on the Midnight Express, Sting and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat against Steve Austin and Ravishing Rick Rude. That was from 1992. And the Thunder Cage match, which was which was a sight to behold. Dustin Rhodes and Sting were taking on Big Van Vader, Paul Orndorff, accompanied by Barry Windham. That happened at Clash of the Champions 22, which was in 1993. A lot of great matches on there. There is no release date as of yet, but it's going to be a great addition to any fan's collection, so I recommend you guys check that out. I see that uh, John asked uh, if it's Gold Dust. Yes, yes it is. Dustin Rhodes as Dustin Rhodes, not as Gold Dust with Sting. Now, obviously, when we were talking about Raw, I was talking about all the Twitter bullshit. I got a figure that's going to blow your mind and uh, props to uh, Raja, well, Raja.com and a couple of other sites for putting this out. 40 WWE-related phrases and terms trended worldwide during Raw. 40. Now, this, this all ties into the agreement that WWE has with Twitter. I don't know what kind of money is being exchanged, but 40 topics were trending. Triple Threat was trending for the Triple H and Shawn Michaels segment. Possum Piss, which The Rock mentioned. Colt Cabana trended after a fan held up the uh, Cult of Personality sign when CM Punk came out. So Cult of Personality also trended. Best in the World trended. Uh, Paul Revere and Jabroni trended. In addition to that, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Triple Threat, Jack Swagger, Vicky Guerrero, Santino Morella, Aksana... Uh, Boston Harbor, John Cena, uh, Woo Woo Woo, you know it, Hoskies, Zack Ryder, uh, Sheamus, uh, Jabroni, The Miz. You guys get the deal. And John Cena and The Rock trended multiple times. So there you have it, folks. 40 trending topics on fucking Twitter. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. One thing that a lot of you guys may have not noticed is the return of Evan Bourne performing his Shooting Star Press during the Raw intros this week. His suspension is scheduled to end March 18th, so we may be seeing Evan Bourne on Raw March 19th. And there's a lot of rumors going around uh, that Rey Mysterio may be at WrestleMania and be a part of the show. I doubt it'll be in a wrestling capacity, but he's been saying in a lot of interviews that he will be at WrestleMania. Simple as that. Now, I wanted to share this bit of news with you guys. It's, it's very sad, actually. Um, if you guys remember a couple of months back, uh, Karma, a.k.a. Awesome Kong, took some time off for maternity leave. Uh, her real name, Kia Stevens. She, um, it was announced that she had given birth to a baby boy a couple of weeks back, shortly after the Rumble. 
and you know the mother and child were doing fine. Turns out that unfortunately that is that was not the case. Uh, Kia Stevens told the TMZ that she did not deliver a healthy baby boy as reported. She says that the child had died before she was able to give birth. Of course, obviously the loss was very devastating to her, and she lied to her close friends and family about the birth of the child because she was emotional and afraid to tell the truth after announcing the pregnancy on television. But she went on to say that she plans on starting a foundation for women that have experienced the same thing. She went on to say that it's a big that it's a bigger club than people think. It's real unfortunate. I mean, she came in, she wanted her big break, she came into the WWE, uh, she was pregnant, took the time off to have her child come back to the business that she loved, and unfortunately, the time off was, you know, it was, not to say it was wasted, but she lost her child. Hopefully, you know, she can come back, have a promising career as was originally scheduled, and Maybe she can try again. It's it's some sad shit, you know. She she lost her kid. I think that the that the that the most terrible thing is that she lost it. And if she did, when they deliver the baby, you know, and they hold the baby up, the baby is dead. That's some that's some foul shit. I don't wish that on anybody. That's some that's just terrible. I can't. There's no there's no spin on this that can be made positive. It's just a fucked up situation. Uh, we wish her the best. And hopefully we'll see her in the ring sooner rather than later. Looks like we got a uh, Raw guest host next week. James Roday from Psych will be returning on Raw this coming Monday. The Part of the reason for that is that The Miz will be appearing on Psych next week. So you're going to see James Roday. We get the return of the quote-unquote Raw guest host. Um, it's, you know... I don't know. I mean, James Roday is a—he's is, funny. He's a wrestling fan. I think his first appearance since he was coming off of, um, I believe, an appendectomy uh, could have gone a little better than expected. It's fucked up, but um, of course, the tie-in with the Miz appearing on Psych is probably going to be mentioned at least fifty times. Maybe they'll get that shit trending as well. Who knows? But Monday guest host James Roday. Got to give a shout-out to CZW wrestler and Dragon Gate wrestler Sammy Callahan, who actually got a tryout from the WWE recently. He was on both Raw and SmackDown. Hopefully, he'll get an opportunity to wrestle in the WWE. I think Callahan is a great asset. I think he's the kind of guy you want to build up for when a guy like The Undertaker or Kane retires and leaves. He has the look. He has the gimmick. I think... Um, I think he'd be a great addition to the roster, and he can wrestle. A lot of people were complaining about the fact that he works a lot of hardcore matches, but he's got a lot of great matches that display his wrestling ability as well. Be on the lookout for that. Hopefully, if they sign him, it'll be a big loss to Dragon Gate and CZW, but I think Callahan will do well on the main stage, so props to him. Lastly, this is, I guess, considered what-the-fuck wrestling news. It seems that our buddy, the Hulkster, has himself a sex tape out there somewhere. Who knows with whom, who knows how long ago. Fuck, it might be with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Um, Unfortunately, yes, Hulk Hogan, sex tape, he spoke to TMZ about it uh, earlier today. He claims that he doesn't know who the woman is on the sex tape. When he called into TMZ Live, he said that, after he divorced Linda and before he met his wife Jennifer, he spent a four month he spent four months 
binge drinking, and carousing. He went on to say that during that time, I don't even remember people's names, much less girls. He claimed that the tape had to be at least five years old and that he is ready to prosecute if necessary, brother. If anyone goes forward with this thing, we're going to find him and we're going to prosecute. Number one, if he was divorced from Linda and he's and he before he got with his wife, Jennifer, how much ass is Hulk Hogan really get it, getting? Let, uh, not to be fucked up. Nah, fuck that. He is. It's like Ric Flair walking around saying he gets pussy. Come on, man. It's fucking Hulk Hogan. How's he picking these chicks up? Let me leg drop my balls on your forehead, brother. What What about if, if he's having sex with the chick? Does he call her brother? I'd love that. Do you want me to finish on your boobs, brother? Oh, brother. Seriously, it's like... Not to say that... Not to say that Hulk Hogan can't get play, but it's like... Oh man, props to Strider in the chat room. What you gonna do, brother, when the Hulkster's three-inch monster runs wild on you? <laughs> that probably would have fucked up my voice, but props to Strider for that, because seriously, it's a sex tape with Hulk Hogan. But you know what? If celebrities can have sex tapes, fuck it. Hulk Hogan has one too. He's partially famous. But hey, who knows? Fact is... And, and I'm going to be 100% honest. I would see what the fuck is going on with that sex tape. I've seen the one for China. I've seen Mickey James naked fucking fetish pictures. Who gives a shit? It would be funny just for comedy. Just for comedy purposes. Simple as that. But yeah, Hulk Hogan's sex tape. And even if he blocks whoever it is from releasing it, ladies and gentlemen, you know that the power of the internet is vast. And that it will get out one way or the other. Simple as that. But that's going to wrap up the wrestling segment. I figured I would close it out with something as wonderful as the Hulk Hogan sex tape. Let's not beat around the bush. Let's get right into some video games with this. Alright, the first bit of news actually ties into what came out this week, and that would be Street Fighter Cross Tekken, or, or Street Fighter X Tekken, whatever the fuck you want to call it. First off, and there will be a review on MyTakeRadio.com for the game, the game is good, it's fun, it's enjoyable, a couple of things I don't like. The gem system is complete horseshit. It is a fully packed bag of dicks. Fuck them gems. Seriously, they're bullshit. They add nothing to the gameplay. What, increased attack power, blah, blah, blah. Sure, that's cool, but they really aren't essential for you to enjoy the game. Of course, the the gaming industry collectively blew their load this week with Mass Effect 3 as well, which a lot of people are saying it is fantastic. Our brand new staff members, uh, John Blade and Quark, 
one or the other will be reviewing Mass Effect in the near future, so be on the lookout for that as well. I figured it'd be a great time during the video game segment to announce the addition of both of these talented guys. And it's not nepotism either, just because John Blade is my nephew, so fuck you before you think that. Uh, both guys know their wrestling, know their games. Andrew's a world-class troll, and I'm sure that he will have no problem shitting on what needs to be shit on at the expense of the gaming industry or whatever other uh, segment of the site he wants to cover. Simple as that. So welcome Captain Quark and John Blade to the MTR family. Simple as that. Moving on. As I said, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, fun game. The gems can suck a dick. Let's not. Let's get into the online, which Quark brought, brought to my attention recently. For those of you that have been playing the game online, you will probably be able to vouch for the fact that the sound is complete dog shit. I can get better sound farting through a toilet paper tube than the sound that was going on in this fucking game. It was abysmal. I played a couple of online matches yesterday, and it was it was awful. The sound would cut in and out, and or the music would just sound super muffled. I don't. I really don't get what the fuck happened there. And everybody's like, oh, well, you should have got the PS3 version. Why? What online community is Sony offering when you can't even do cross-platform chat? So fuck you, anybody who's jumping to say to buy the PS3. That's how it goes. The next bit of news relating to this are the the non-released characters, such as Mega Man and Pac-Man, but turns out there's a couple of other characters and they are all on the disc already and they will be unlocked as dlc now here's the frustrating part about that you all know that that dlc will not be free it's not it won't be free so you're supposed to get they're saying 12 characters i believe 12 of the ps vita characters will be jumping into consoles those characters are going to be Elena, Guy, Cody, Sakura, Dudley, Blanca. On the Tekken side, you're getting Elisa, Christy, Jack, Brian, Lars, and Lei. Now, here's the, here's the shit that bothers me. It's not the fact that the shit is on the disc. Because fuck it. We all know that shit is on the discs anyway. It's the fact that people are going to go get this DLC... And I'd say about a year from now, they'll release a complete edition or a Super Turbo HD remix with a shiny box edition, which is going to have all the characters anyway. That's the shit that annoys me, and Capcom has become fucking notorious for jamming their entire fist collectively up gamers' assholes. It's an embarrassment. It really is. You go, you buy the fucking game, you shell out your money. Oh, we're going to do Super Turbo Ultra Shiny Edition, and it's going to cost you 1,200 points. We know it happened with Marvel vs. Capcom. We know that the shit happened with Street Fighter 4. Come the fuck on. Either put all the shit out at once, or make the DLC fucking costumes, but don't beat people over the head, because I know a lot of people were bummed that Dudley or Blanca weren't in the game. Blanca especially, because he's he's a staple in the Street Fighter series. You know, Kai, uh, Guy and Cody are also important because they were shown in the fucking trailers. I really could give a shit less about Alyssa or Christy or Jack 
for Brian Fury, also a necessity. He's been in every other Tekken game. Lars, everybody keeps trying to fucking shove Lars down everybody's throat because he's the newest bastard son of the Mishima Empire. I don't give a shit. He's a Final Fantasy reject. Fuck that guy. Come on, man. It's 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 ridiculous. It's ridiculous that you're going to make people rebuy this game down the road because a lot of people aren't going to pay for the DLC because they're not going to want all the characters. But Capcom hides behind the fact that, oh, we have to put the DLC on a disc for compatibility's sake. Why not just put the fucking characters in the game from Jump? You can make money with the costumes. You can make money with other characters. But don't go fucking crazy with the, the characters that are staples of the series and make people pay for them. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I would rather the DLC be like Jimpachi or Seth. Maybe do a boss pack like that. Jimpachi, Seth. Maybe Devil Kazuya, complete devil form from, you know, from the new Tekken game that we played uh, that Slick can attest to. Maybe you can do Angel. Maybe you can do Jun Kazama. Maybe you could do the unknown. <sighs> Fucking Capcom. And they and they don't see anything wrong with this. That's the shit that bothers me. It it doesn't it it doesn't it it doesn't really resonate with them that this entire uh, the, this entire way that it's done is fucked up. People are getting tired. I had to go buy Marvel versus Capcom and then they came out with the Ultimate Edition which of course I sold Marvel versus Capcom to buy and I haven't even bought it yet. Just because I haven't gotten around to it but because it's fucking horse shit cuz I'm sure they'll probably drop that shit to $30 at some point too. Costumes, bosses, backgrounds, DLC, okay. But shit like main characters, fuck out of here. Bosses, sure. Like I said, Devil, Angel, Jimpachi, Seth. You could do um, Psycho Power Bison if you want to get really crazy. Uh, am I leaving anybody out? Yeah, like I said, the Unknown. You could do the Unknown. You could do shit like that. Armika, thanks Strider. Strider forgot Armika also. You could do that. You can do uh, Junie from you know the the Bison dolls. You could do them. You could do Sodom. Come on, man. It's it, There's so many ways you could do that shit, but they'd rather just fuck you up and make you rebuy characters that should be in the game. In some other Capcom news, let's talk about Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City that's getting some DLC on the first day. Nemesis mode. 320 Microsoft points. The way the mode works is that you're going to be able to have USS and Spec Ops trying to control a Nemesis. Once the team has control, they will be able to use that nemesis to attack the other team. Of course, the other team's objective is to find the control unit to take control of the other team's nemesis. It is exclusive for the 360, right out of the gate. They're not even talking about it coming to PS3, so who knows how this is going to work. But once again, this is the kind of shit I'm talking about. You buy the game, and boom, day one. Here's some DLC, 320 points. <sighs> Fucking Capcom. Our friends at The Verge, which is an awesome tech website, if you're not a fan of Engadget, I recommend you check them out. 
announced recently that Valve is working on a console reportedly titled the Steam Box. Um, as of right now, it's rumored to be using an Intel Core i7, 8 gigs of RAM, and an NVIDIA GPU, which um, will be able to run any PC title, but it will also support or Origin services as well. They're saying that the bigger surprise out of that besides the Steam console will be a fully customizable controller with interchangeable parts as well as a mood-tracking biometric system reportedly integrated into the system. As of right now, this is a rumor, but we may see something come E3. But seriously, you're going to do a Steam box at this point. If you want to do something crazy, Microsoft should buy Steam and integrate Steam into Xbox Live so you can play some of those other games. Maybe for the new Xbox. I think it would be fucking insane if they did that. And that would really set them apart from Sony and from Nintendo. But people can dream, and that's not one of those things that's going to be happening. In some Darksiders news, I haven't talked a lot about Darksiders, even though I have an inbox full of stuff, just because we've been so busy. But Darksiders 2 has their limited edition out for pre-order. If you get the pre-order, you will get... The limited edition Darksiders 2, you're going to get a life-size replica mask, a death mask. You're also going to get, of course, in-game armor and a weapon. You're going to get the digital soundtrack and the hardcover art book. Those of you that pre-ordered the first Darksiders, you know you got some pretty cool exclusives with that. So you'll be able to pre-order that now at your local Lame Stop or probably Amazon or Best Buy as well. One of the things, the limited edition is going to be free on all pre-orders. And you're going to get um, Argyle's Tomb, which is DLC. You're also going to get, like I said, it's an um, in-game armor, uh, another set of scythes, and it's going to run you $99. That's going to come with the limited edition game. And, of course, well, no, scrap that. you got the limited edition and the collector's edition. The limited edition is going to come with the DLC. The collector's edition, which is $99, is going to come with the... Uh, life-size death mask and all that other shit as well. So you can pre-order that if you so choose at any of your gaming retailers. Let's talk about Nintendo and the 3DS because as much as I shit on Nintendo, they have done an incredible turnaround. After the price cut last year, the 3DS has sold 4.5 million units in the U.S. since launching last year. In addition, the system has outsold the original DS in its first year, 4.5 million to 2.3 million. They got to I, I got to give Nintendo credit. They've turned it around. They're starting to put out some better games, but again, there's still a lot of droughts with first-party titles, but to sell 4.5 million units is pretty big. PS Vita, we already know, sold 2 million units. They're trying to catch up, but right now the Vita, we are going on it being out one one month. And it seems that the fanfare has died a bit. I mean, most of the games that you want to play are already out. But there hasn't been much in the way of, of announcing games to look forward to within the next three months. So take that for what it's worth, but I figured I would throw that out there. Those of you that are playing Battlefield 3, you got some DLC coming your way. Uh, Close Quarters is going to have four new maps and ten new weapons. Armored Kill is going to be the second pack. That's going to have bigger maps, weapons, and some new vehicles as well. And the last pack will be Endgame. In addition, DICE announced that there will be custom servers that will be coming to consoles in the near future. As of right now, no release window has been given, but that's what you have to look forward to if you are into Battlefield. 
That's going to wrap up the gaming news, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to get into some, well, some entertainment news because there's a lot of stuff to talk about. So let's not waste any more time. Why so serious? He comes at me with the knife. Why so serious? He sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. And why so serious? All right, let's get right into this movie news. And I see uh, Blade is in the chat complaining about not enough Mass Effect. Fuck Mass Effect. It's a great game. But what am I going to talk about? You're gay shepherd. You're straight shepherd. You're female shepherd. How many times you're playing the game? Come on, let's let's be serious. How much shit can we talk about Mass Effect? Review the game, write your review, then we'll talk more about Mass Effect. That's your homework assignment. Simple as that. Let's talk movies. The Rock, we talked about it last week, was scheduled, was rumored to be signing on for the Hercules Project. Seems that it is now official. He will be starring in Brett Ratner's Hercules Variety reports that MGM has confirmed the news. They will be... Um, adapting the Ryan Condell, well, Ryan Condell will be handling the adaptation of Steve Moore's 2008 graphic novel, Hercules, the Thracian War. So be on the lookout for that for The Rock. Next up, The Rock signed up for another movie, Superhero Hype reports that The Rock is going to star in Ciudad based on, a, based on a Russo Brothers graphic novel. The Brothers will be directing the film, and it's produced by Eric Gittner and Peter Schwerwin. Joe Russo wrote the screenplay, and the graphic novel, though it hasn't been published as of yet, is set to follow uh, Dwayne Johnson as a black market mercenary who's hired by a Brazilian drug lord to rescue his kidnapped daughter. So it seems that The Rock is uh, securing himself very well in uh, on the Hollywood side of things, taking some really big budget projects, and he's handling his business accordingly. Props to The Rock for that. For those of you that are fans of Harry Potter, which I'm sure there are quite a few of you, get ready to have your pockets raped again. They are releasing the ultimate Blu-ray Harry Potter box set. It will have 31 discs. It is called The Wizard's Collection. And it is a limited and numbered box set that will include all the content from the previous films plus five hours of new content. The set is going to contain 18 discs, which will include 2D and 3D versions of the last two films, plus 13 feature discs. You're also going to get multiple specially produced collectible memorabilia items, including concept art, a map of Hogwarts, maybe Hagrid's underwear, who the fuck knows. But yeah, that's going to run you $350. Holy shit. I think I've seen like three of the Harry Potter films. I'm definitely behind. They're, they're well done. I haven't read the books. But for what it's worth, they're, they're pretty good. But holy shit, $349. This is getting on some George Lucas bend you over and rape you with a lightsaber level of bullshit. So yeah, $349 for Snape, Harry, the dude without a fucking nose, and the rest of those motherfuckers. Yeah, $349, folks. Now some news that I'm sure will make Slick happy. Will Ferrell has confirmed that Step Brothers 2 is in the works. 
Farrell has confirmed that the sequel will be developed by him, John C. Riley, and Adam McKay. It's going to be taking a priority over another film that Farrell's doing called Three Mississippi. But Will Farrell did take the opportunity to confirm that Anchorman 2 is still dead. Which is fine, I don't really give a shit. Step Brothers 2, though, has the potential to be kind of funny. Let's get into some box office numbers. Dr. Seuss's The Lorax murdered the box office. Danny DeVito's Little Orange Furry, whatever the fuck that is, took in $70 million this past weekend. Project X took 20.8. Act of Valor, a.k.a. Call of Duty the movie, took in 13.7. Safe House took in 7.2. Good Deeds took in 7 million. Journey 2 took in 6.9. It's made $85.6 million already. Once again, The Rock proving that he's a solid leading man in Hollywood. The Vow, 6.1. Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, 4.7. And The Artist took in $3.9 million. In some other sequel news, and you can classify this in the what-the-fuck variety. Ugh, that what a bludgeoning of a sentence that was. I apologize. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter have confirmed that Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Part 3 is officially underway. The script is, is done, they both like it, and they are working on it. The movie's plot is expected to revolve around Bill and Ted trying to fulfill their combined destiny of writing the song that saves the world. This movie's gonna suck because George Carlin is dead, and he's not there to make this movie awesome. Simple as that. A couple of months back, I gave you some other what-the-fuck movie news talking about Universal's attempts at making a Ouija board movie. Seems that those plans are back on. The Hollywood Reporter reports that the film, which was originally pitched as a special effects-heavy family film, is back on target. But they're going to go for lower budget, and it's probably going to go along the lines of a horror film. Current plans right now have it scheduled for a 2013 release date. And as I mentioned earlier, Project X was number two in the box office. Warner Brothers is already planning a sequel. Michael Bacall is going to be returning to write a treatment for another film. It's unknown if any of the cast and crew will return as well. But Bacall said that while writing the original, he said when you're working with Todd Phillips, you can really do anything you want. In fact, you're expected to really push it as far as you can. I wrote out the treatment really in a couple of days and turned it in. I was kind of pleasantly surprised by how closely, how closely the final product curtailed to our earliest conception of it. So, needless to say, the movie made $21 million. I guess it's a success off a $12 million budget. So, yeah, sequel. But we're not done yet. It seems that the, guys that, the director that wrote Chronicle, Josh Trank, is in talks to make a film based on Venom. Not Venom, the cheesy horror film, but Venom, the Spider-Man villain. Which, if it doesn't have any continuity or doesn't involve Spider-Man in any way, how the fuck are you going to tell that story? Venom's creation is exists solely based on his involvement with Spider-Man. Simple as that. If you're going to do it, you have to have Spider-Man involved. I don't give a fuck if you have Giraffe Neck Andrew Garfield, fucking Topher Grace in a wig... I don't give a shit. Somebody has to play Spider-Man to set up Venom being created. Especially if it's not supposed to tie into any of the other source material. You need Spider-Man involved in some capacity. Simple as that. As of right now, it's, it's, 
in development and being discussed. They haven't moved forward with it yet, but we may see a Venom film. That's all I'm saying. Max Landis, known for his great work that he did with Chronicle, has been tapped to write the sequel for Chronicle. Deadline reports that Landis has been hired by Fox for the sequel. The original film about three high school friends who gained superpowers has grossed more than $105 million worldwide. Slick, of course, reviewed Chronicle, and if you'd like to read it, MyTakeRadio.com, just look for it in the movie section. And the last bit of movie news to wrap things up, very excited for this. Dimension Films has announced that they've acquired the rights to do an English-language remake of The Man from Nowhere. If you've never seen this film, I recommend you check out the South Korean film. It came out in Korea in 2010. It is fantastic. Hopefully they do a good job with it. If you enjoy Old Boy, you will enjoy this film. Simple as that. The Man from Nowhere is fantastic from start to finish. Bob Weinstein went on to say, We've always been huge action and martial arts fans and are getting back into the genre in a big way with The Man from Nowhere. It's a slick, fast-paced action thriller anchored by a strong emotional relationship that audiences are going to love. Sean Christensen, who did Abduction, will be writing the new script. He went on to say that he is excited and honored to work alongside Bob Weinstein and the team at Dimension. At, uh, at Dimension, excuse me. I'm a huge fan of the original Man from Nowhere and look forward to bringing it to American audiences. Like I said, if you haven't seen it, I recommend you check it out. The original film, the plot synopsis basically is about a, a guy who runs a pawn shop, had a super violent past, and he decides to take on a drug and organ trafficking ring to save a little kid, well, to save a kid that he considers his only friend. It's going to be ridiculous. I recommend you guys check it out. I don't know how well they're going to be able to bring that brutality to American audiences, but if you check out the Korean one, you'll enjoy. It is bananas. Strider in the chat said that he saw the trailer for the Korean version. It is it is a fantastic film. If you can find it, I recommend you check it out. And ladies and gents, that's going to wrap it up for this week. couple of things before we close out. Slick will be uh, publishing his review for John Carter. This weekend, be on the lookout for that. Um, myself, Blade, and Quark are going to have a sit-down. They're going to be cranking out their reviews. I know that Quark was going to be reviewing Twisted Metal. We know that Ben recently reviewed UFC Undisputed 3. Uh, Blade, John Blade is going to be doing Mass Effect 3. And we just got to iron out some details for that. But those are some of the reviews you can look forward to. And we got some other stuff coming this weekend. Next week, and I'm going to put this in the fan page, I tested this out a few months ago, and we had done a live Google Hangout while watching Raw with some commentary. We pretty much, I set up a webcam, an HD webcam in front of my television, kind of mystery science theater style over, over my shoulder, and we watched Raw, had some great laughs, some good commentary, and a lot of people interacted, and we talked a great deal about wrestling. I'm contemplating doing it again, and I wanted to see what you guys think. So if I discuss it in the fan page, by all means, let me know about it. And if you're interested, and if you have a Google Plus account, we can make that happen. I was going to try and do it live streaming through the Facebook fan page, but I don't know how well Facebook will react to that. But uh, we'll see what the deal is. That's going to be probably happening maybe with this week's Raw or the final Raw leading up to WrestleMania. We're kind of still on the fence about how that's going to go. But 
it's something we're going to test. As I said, MTR 4.0 is is coming together quite nicely. We're trying to iron out a couple of things. I got a couple of requests about the possibility of bringing back the forums, and I'm really not a fan of bringing them back. So for right now, the forums are going to stay dead. But um, be on the lookout, though, because we are going to try and do some really good social integration in the near future. What? I don't know. But it's definitely not going to be a forum. That shit is dead. Um, I was contemplating maybe doing like a like a Facebook tie-in style network. Who the fuck knows? But we'll know what the deal is when MTR 4.0 launches. All right, guys, that's going to be it. Like I said, look for uh, Blade and Quark and their work on MyTakeRadio.com. Look for them on Twitter as well in the coming weeks. And I will catch you guys next week. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 130 for Thursday, March 8th, 2012. If you want to leave any feedback, have any questions, or just want to leave a comment, call our feedback line 347-815-0687. 347-815-0MTR. If you don't want your messages played on air, please let me know in advance at the start of your message, and they won't be. If you want to be a guest on a future episode of MTR or for our interview series, email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MyTakeRadio. We are on MySpace, who gives a shit? And become a fan on our Facebook fan page. Got any questions about comics, games, movies, mixed martial arts, you can ask us on Formspring, formspring.me forward slash MyTakeRadio. And of course, add us to your circle on Google+. If you want to get 96K stereo episodes of MTR along with exclusive content, pick yourself, well, grab yourself the MTR app, Available for iOS and Android devices. You can find the Android device, uh, the Android version on the Amazon store, and you can download it for your Android devices. Of course, the iOS versions are on iTunes. And last but not least, you can also listen to episodes of MTR on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, Blackberry Podcasts, Blueberry, Miro, and we got two other services launching real soon. And lastly, you can also listen to live simulcasts via Mixler on our Facebook fan page. All right, guys, I will catch you guys next week. Thank you all for listening. As always, thank you guys for your continued support. And uh, I guess that's it. I have no idea what intro, what outro music is going to take us out this week. And for some reason... All my clips are kind of fucked up, so, uh, yeah. I don't know why, but whatever. It is what it is. Catch you guys next week. Death in the Republic is taking us out. Mm-hmm.